Leaving a Legacy is brought to you by HipstersOfTheCoast.com and can be found on the Top Deck app every Friday. You can support the show directly at Patreon.com slash Leaving a Legacy. Magic is power. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Leaving a Legacy. My name is Patrick, I'm your Legacy Newbie. With me this week, as always, Mr. Jerry Me. What's up, Jerry? What? Huh? Where are we? Hi. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. We Pat. dragged you kicking and screaming in this episode this week, huh? Every week. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry re- reluctantly, begrudgingly uh, comes on and talks to me about magic for an hour. This is prime napping time, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I actually sent you in the text in the in the group chat. I'm like, oh, Jerry's probably napping, and you sent me maybe the most disturbing picture I've seen in the last. Probably two weeks. Yeah. L- lizard Nation, rise up. Where are all my lizard people at? <laughs> is that what that is? Is that a child in a suit? I don't I don't know what that is, but it's horrifying. I think it's a Halloween costume, but it's basically someone wearing a snake costume. And it is yeah. an overly... But they're coiled real- up. It's an overly realistic snake costume. Yes, yes. Giant yellow eyes. I'm pretty sure there's a few conspiracy theorists who think it's proof that there's aliens, that there's lizard people living among us. Uh, well, there are there are lizard people living around <laughs> among us, but that's neither here nor there, Pat. <laughs> so, how you been, man? How's uh, how's your weekend? Uh, it sucked. I worked all weekend. I oh. I unfortunately did not get to play Magic, but this is the first time I've played Magic in like a week, Pat. Yeah, I, I'm I'm having withdrawals. I'm actually. Have you, what have you been? What have you been jamming? You've been doing a lot of Cuban. Uh, no, I haven't. I didn't get a chance to play any magic. I just, I've just been working nonstop. No, but I mean, like outside outside of this past weekend. Oh, I've still been jamming blue green. Uh, on okay. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I need to rebuild my uh, play point collection because the cube like drains all of my <laughs> magic online assets. You know, I'm selling off furniture to get more tickets. You so know, I, can I, get to I heard a good drafts. way to earn that stuff is to like do well in a challenge. Yeah, I, I heard that's I heard that's pretty good. Uh, I I that's beyond me though, Pat. I just I can't I can't wake up that early. Well, since since you can't be counted on to do anything of of relevance, Jerry, we brought on a guest who 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 seems to be relevant week oh, after week in Legacy. Really? We ha- we Indeed. had someone today. Yeah, we did. Who we did? Did they? Who would that be? <laughs> yeah, well then Tom Hep Tom Hep said he couldn't make it, so then oh. we got Bryant Cook instead. Oh, I see. Wow. <laughs> well, second choice then. Second choice. Is good. <laughs> but first in our hearts, from the lovely city of Syracuse or outside Syracuse, I don't I actually don't know. You're near Syracuse. Yeah, I'm in. A we suburb. got Bryant Cook on. <laughs> you're from hey you're from New York City, right? New York yeah, City. That's what I hear from everyone. You know, just uh, a short gobble- four and a half hours like north. It's the, the gabagool, right? You like the gabagool? Close enough. Close enough. So why am I here again? <laughs> uh, you're here to defend uh, uh, the city of Syracuse because apparently some neckbeards on Twitter were mad about Syracuse for some reason, even though it's a lovely city. It's fine. I don't why have much they, to say about it. Why were they mad about Syracuse? I don't know. People, yeah. So it was just a, it was a thing. Uh, I have found that the fewer people I follow from the magic community on Twitter, especially non-legacy legacy people in general, are usually a great follow. Anyone who's outside the legacy community is like usually is is oftentimes a poor follow on Twitter, and so it just it showed me who to unfollow over the weekend. It was great. It's yeah. weird. Magic players, the way that they judge cities, are based on the convention center and what's nearest to the convention center. Yes, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> just a really bad way of looking at an entire city. There's like, yeah, Syracuse is a shithole. There's nothing near their convention center. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like their Applebee's. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. New York is a dump. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Like, people get out of, get out of, like, don't go anywhere near the convention center. There's usually nothing good there. Or Fucking like, drive five to ten minutes away. Usually there's great stuff or around. Or at least, like, take an accurate representation of the city, like Niagara. Like, even people from Niagara admit that Niagara is a shithole. <laughs> yes, but we actually found some decent food while we were there. Yeah. The I, Indian place was not bad. Yeah, it was pretty good. Was I pretty also ate at the Indian place. It was terrific. Yeah, it wasn't bad. And, and uh... Well, the casino food was not good, but the entertainment was top-notch. Well, so. the thing that we can say about Niagara, though, is that we just said the Indian food place, and we all know we ate at the same Indian food place. Yes. Niagara. <laughs> there is one. Yes. One Indian food place. But in, it, uh, it is worth <laughs> noting, too, that we didn't, like, drive anywhere that weekend for the most part. We walked, so we couldn't sample, like, what was best in Niagara, I suppose, if there is anything that's top-notch there. But, True. but like, the other cities we've been to, like Columbus, and Ve- obviously Vegas is amazing, but Columbus was had some great places to eat, too, I, so I had no I enjoyed Syracuse when I was either GP or Star City Game Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were back to back, weren't they? They were lovely. We we crashed some like wedding photo party. Like we were walking back from the convention center, and there was this like couple taking wedding photos. And we like turned the corner, and we're just like face to face with this couple trying to uh, take their like uh, you know lifelong memories. <laughs> just, oh, sorry, just a bunch of nerds in the back. A bunch of magic players doing like a Sasquatch pose in the background. <laughs> Basically, we're like don't mind us. We're just on our way through. Before we get too deep in this, I have a very important question. Shoot. Who names these? Who named what? These episodes. I uh, Pat asked me what we should name the episodes, and I give him opinions, and then he usually ignores me and does whatever that, he wants. That's not true. So it's Pat Sometimes, that I can blame. Yeah, why? Why? You didn't like the last one? No, because uh, the, like, the fourth, this is like number 11. The fourth time I was on this, I was like, I would like the uh, episodes that I am on to be named after Star Wars. And every single one of them since then is Brian Cook Returns. And I'm like, how lazy is that? It's like episode 121, Brian Cook Returns. Episode 210, Brian Cook Returns. It's fucking boring. You could have done like the Epic Epic Menace or the Cookie Returns or just something like a little more fun. Yeah, you know what happens is a lot of times the episode comes in and I wait till the last minute to post and I'm like, fuck, I can't come up with a creative title right now. I have to send this out because I want to go to bed. Because I always forget to do it until right before I'm going to bed at like 10.30 at night. So I will I will endeavor to make a better title this week. I promise. Shoot, I will I write – when there's a funny line, I will write it down. Maybe like uh, Bryant Cook Returns claims Syracuse doesn't suck or something like that. I'll come up, I'll come up <laughs> with something decent. I'll come up with something decent. I promise. Also going back to Jerry uh, playing blue-green Omnitel. Uh, it's about time he cut the red. Stink tech sucks, Jerry. <laughs> And a uh, carpet likes- of flowers is super expensive uh, now. You could probably sell your carpet of flowers and live for a month. It's like 40 of, tickets each. Speaking of, Blue Red Omni Show won the challenge this week, I saw. Oh, no, sorry. It won the uh, NRG challenge. It was a 100-person NRG tournament. So Blue Red Sneaking Show is not dead, right? Mm-hmm. It's not dead. Congratulations. It took down a 100-person event. <laughs> I mean, that's, awesome. that's that's pretty much what we're seeing right now, like, as far as events go. Like, that's probably the yeah. biggest event we're going to see for some time until coronavirus uh, dies down. Yeah. It's when is that going to happen, guys? Someone lie to me and say soon, please. Sure, Pat. It's going to be soon. New Year's Eve. Thank Everyone you. sing it by 2021, right? <laughs> it's just going to magically go away. Perfect. Perfect. To be honest, like, I, I know we're getting off on a tangent already, but, like, I'm actually... So my kids are slated to go back to school in uh, in the fall. And, uh, like, they're, they're only sending back K through 3 uh, into the actual schools. All the older grades are going to be completely remote. 
But I'm actually a little like concerned about sending my kids into school at this point, and like I'm really worried about my youngest because he's like going into kindergarten, and that's like all the reading foundation, and I am not equipped to teach a child to read. Uh, so I'm like, I'm like, a, I'm a little concerned. I'm not gonna lie; it's yeah, like a terrible spot to be in just as a parent. Teach them magic. Magic is the best way to teach kids how to read and how to do basic arithmetic. It's true, but I well, okay. It it certainly is a great enforcement, for, certainly for math. But if you can't read, if you, that's how you're learning to read, I don't know if I want like kids to think that like a basic rule of grammar are what's called keywords or something like that. So, <laughs> But they are, Pat. <laughs> I know a lot of people don't like this person, but Jeff Hooligan, Hoogland, can't talk tonight, uh, posted some like really cool photos of the like homemade classroom that he and his wife created for his kids, and I thought that was really mm-hmm. nice. That's cool. Nice. Yeah, it's it's stressful, man, because as a parent, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners can 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 identify with this like you want your kids to go to school because you want them to socialize and i definitely feel like the teachers who are there are much better equipped to teach my kids than me so i want them to go to school but at the same time like i think it's actually it's a it's a literal it's an actual risk to send them into school so like and 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 i feel like if we keep them home then we're giving them the we're making the decision for them to have a lesser education than they could in the school so it's it's a it's a tough decision man i'm not gonna lie it's it's, just it's been freaking me out do what i do pat Keep them home, teach them how to play magic, and teach them how to make a lifelong career out of streaming. It'll be great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could convince my kid to... St- well, they probably wouldn't stream magic, though. They would stream something that's more like hip for kids nowadays. Like I don't know. What are the kids playing? Minecraft? Playing like PUBG? I like how you say hip for kids these days and then name like a 10-year-old game. <laughs> that was that was the joke, Jerry. <laughs> nah, I, I missed it. I missed it. <laughs> Also, All right, I well, the let's money talk for kids was like doing YouTube videos of like them opening up toys and being thrilled. Yeah, there is like some kid who like does like like uh toy openings and like makes like t- like hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's his, insane. His name's Ryan. It's like a 9 or 7-year-old kid or something like that who just opens kids and my nieces have like a stuffed doll of him. For, like what? They this kid opens up toys on youtube and reviews them and somehow the dominoes have fallen to the point that now my like six-year-old niece has a stuffed doll but of this other kid the, who makes youtube videos there, listen there has to be a bubble that's gonna pop right with this stuff like this i don't know why but like i don't believe that like streaming games or like streaming reactions to games or like you said jerry like a video like opening toys there there, there has to be some part part of the math there that doesn't work out right like because like Companies are dumping ad money to these to these people, and there's no way that your six year old niece they, they don't buy anything. No, like, but their parents do, and then yeah, he, but like, and then but my like, niece just nags the, my parents so to like, buy what they saw. You know that song by Lil Nas X, "Old Town Road." It was like supreme, supremely popular, but it wasn't popular with anyone who actually buys stuff. It was like eight year old kids listening to it sixty times a day on YouTube or on Spotify. It was like kids who actually don't have any like can't affect economy at all. You, so I, are, I don't know. you like, are very the, wrong in that, Pat. There is something kids are a there's huge so, part of the economy. No, I disagree. I disagree. There's there's something about that that I think is is like on the precipice of of, of collapse. And like it, you see that now that's, with like that's you what see you're that now what with you're TikTok there, Pat. That's society. That's society as a whole. <laughs> that's on the precipice. <laughs> but like, but but there is something about that to me that is just so unnerving. I don't know. We don't need to get into it. But to it's, bring it's, it back it to magic me... for a second. It's almost the <laughs> yeah, same. Let's, as... let's talk about let's talk about magic. It's on, well, it's on topic, but it's almost the same as uh, for years. Magic the Gathering selling being a pro as a lifestyle, even though like there was no guarantee for the future. 
And mm -hmm. then they were like, well, we'll create the MPL, which actually cut down the number of possible pros by a lot. And then mm -hmm. since they announced it, they've actually cut it down even further to the point where, yep. like, being a Magic the Gathering personality or pro or whatever you'd like to call yourself isn't a path that you should be taking unless you're in the top half of a percent. And right. it's not realistic. So now there's a bunch of, like, 21 to 24-year-old grinder kids that are all very jaded. They have no money coming in that chose not to go to college and not sure where they're going with their life anymore. And it's a scary place to be. Uh, they made yeah. the decision not to go to college because they wanted to try to live the dream of being a professional Magic the Gathering player, and now that space doesn't exist anymore. So yeah, I, I've heard not a lot of grumblings from the. I mean, I don't again, I don't follow the pros super closely, but the sense that I get is that there's a lot of a, a lot of them are very unhappy with how it's been handled and and like rewards and things have been taken away from them without cause and. Obviously, like prize money was cut down significantly this year because of Corona, and it's just been a whole it's been a whole mess, man. It's been it's it's wild, it's wild. So yeah, I don't know, man. Something about so like one thing I want to get on, but then we I want to talk about the challenge and uh, your finish, Bryant. Was uh you see this right now with like uh, TikTok stars because the U.S. is talking about basically like deleting TikTok as like a, an app you can download in the U.S. if it doesn't get bought up by by Microsoft. And all these people have started to migrate to Reels, which is like Instagram version of TikTok, which is in and also in the same sense a like Facebook's version of TikTok. And like it's just it's it's really weird, man. It's really weird. All these people who like were TikTok stars and making lots of money, like they actually don't have any marketable skills, and they're trying to make I don't know rebuild their brand on a different platform. It's just a weird thing, man. We it's, well. It's, Wilson will love this, but I could just spin this into an entire commentary on late stage capitalism and how the entire system is designed to fail when you uh, base your economy off of a service based industry. But I won't get that deep today. Sorry, Wilson. <laughs> Pat, there's also if you go back a couple of years, my couple, I mean, like five years and go back to Vine. TikTok is just yeah. Vine all over again. 100 percent. Yep. 100%. And like TikTok wasn't like originally it was just an app to lip sync to to sing on. It was music it was music.ly, musical.ly. And uh yeah, I remember that app being like trying to become a thing and then it kind of like disappeared and then all of a sudden TikTok exploded. I don't know. It's a, it's cra it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And uh none of this is actually pertaining to what our topic is today. Hold but on, we're going to do it. I don't want to get there yet, Pat. Nope. Pat, no, we're okay. going to talk about well, how dual lands are your best asset in Elite Stage. Reddit was a was site originally made for recipes. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, really? Yeah, I Reddit was originally made for sharing your recipes, and then like it just like became this much larger thing. Really? Yeah, like whatever your project is, and I think that's like a part of the show Silicon Valley, is mm -hmm. the final product is never what you intended it to be. It's always something yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that Reddit was that. That's fascinating. Well, that's like um, Amazon was books, and right. now Amazon is everything. everything. Yeah, it, it is actually its own government at this point. Yep. Yeah, it's insane. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting for like the U.S. government to try and like tell Amazon to do something, and Amazon just says no. <laughs> I mean, they do it now, right? Like, give your give your 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 workers normal working conditions, and Amazon just says go fuck yourself, right? <laughs> like, we have so many cities. Remember how many cities kowtowed to Amazon trying to get them to put their headquarters in their city right like like we're offering them tax breaks and stuff and in my opinion that's the opposite way of the way things should go like corporations should be paying cities to be to 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 put their businesses there not the other way around well they wanted to put a giant headquarters in brooklyn and they didn't get that now they're building a warehouse in syracuse actually which is going to bring in a lot of jobs which is great mm -hmm. but at the same time you have an amazon warehouse 
taking in a lot of your stuff. And if they ever up and leave, it's going to create a collapse. But at the same time, I think... Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I think that Jeff Bezos, if he had an ounce of humanity in him with his billions and billions of dollars, would just, like, save USPS. Like, they probably do the most business with the United States Postal Service. And Jeff Bezos could get rid of, like, 0.1% of his wealth and just save Mm -hmm. the entire, you know, thing. Yep. Yeah, it's insane to me that, that... That there are people who want the USPS to fail when it's like one of the most popular things our federal government is actually capable of doing. Um, it, it, it's it's mind blowing to me. I mean, with USPS also, it's not necessarily just about the money. It's about just the people in charge not actually wanting to do anything, even if yeah. they had the money. Like I Big think time. even if Jeff Bezos like wrote a blank check to the USPS, the what's his name, the Delaney or whatever, the Postmaster mm-hmm. General would just say thanks, but no thanks. And right? Then t- t- yeah, t- it's. Check. Yeah, it's wild. They, they've actually removed, like, uh, sorting machines in Massachusetts, and I saw pictures of whole, like, stacks of these uh, mailboxes being locked up, which I've never seen in my life. It's, it's, it's a crazy thing, man. We're living in a crazy time. We have insane people who are in power right now, and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. We're talking about the two of you, right? <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Yes. Indeed. Indeed. Well, you guys want to talk about magic, or you want to just like keep waxing poetic about other things? I was told we, I was coming on here to bullshit. So. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, that, those are my favorite episodes, to be honest. Like, the yeah. the least the the less magic, usually the more entertaining it Truth. is. Truth. Truth. Uh, but I guess we can talk about something because uh, where's uh TES been, Brian? I haven't really seen much of it, and then you go in top eight a uh, challenge and ruin my theory that Tess is dead. I don't know why you would say that, Jerry. But also, like, I love how I listened to the episode with Tom Hep on it. And you're talking about how Elves doesn't win anything. And, like, the week prior, it had won the, the show, Legacy <laughs> Showcase. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I didn't know that at the time. <laughs> <laughs> prior to that, no, but, like, it just feels like I, when I talk about Legacy, like, I don't really pay that much attention to, like, results. I don't, I don't just have the time of day to pour over deck lists anymore. So when I talk about my impression of Legacy, my impression is literally, like, me playing leagues. Because I play leagues pretty frequently, and if I just stop running into a deck, in my perception, like, that deck doesn't really... Like I'm more of a percentages, like I'll look at NTG goldfish percentages and my own personal percentages mm-hmm. rather than just kind of comparing like MTG top eights, just cause that sort of stuff just doesn't interest me anymore as far as just like looking at deck lists all day. Well, I don't look at MTG top eight either. I think it's not a very reliable resource, but I do look at goldfish a lot and TES tends to be on the front page, uh, at least the last year or so. And I don't know, like sometimes oh. it falls off, but. I don't know. Don't get me don't get me wrong. When when I'm saying Tess is dead, that's more just I like ribbing you more than anything. I mean that's fine. (laughs) Uh, But like one of the things about Storm is even when a Storm deck is very good, people don't switch to playing Storm. It's either a skill you have or a skill you don't. And the people that have the skill of playing Storm usually end up playing combo anyway. Uh, Like no one goes from playing Blue Red Delver one week to playing the Epic Storm the next week. Like those people Mm -hmm. generally don't exist. Or if they do, they're not actually placing with the deck. Yeah. But uh, this week, there was three uh, copies of the Epic Storm in the top 32 of the Sunday Challenge. Nice. That's pretty good. Uh, how's the deck right now for the meta? Like, how does it feel just in general? Well, well, you've, I mean, you have changed the deck list significantly. Do we want to go over that first? Because I feel like you've adapted TES to, I mean, 
correct me if I'm wrong. My impression right now is that Rug Delver is kind of like the Delver deck to beat. We're seeing a lot of like snow control decks, um, and uh, obviously like things like Turbo Depths. Like the mainstays are still there, obviously, but um, Rug Delver seems to be like one of the the decks to beat. And you have changed like the the way this the way this deck's constructed is pretty significantly. Do you, can we just go over the list real quick from the challenge? Sure. Um, yeah. How far back would you like to go on the changes? Like, do you want to talk about like the Wishclaw changes or the more recent changes? Well, I think the last time we, you were on, we talked. I think we talked about Wishclaw, didn't we? I can't. Remember, I can't remember at this point. But the last time I was on, we literally bullshitted for an hour and a half, and then I, I went and ate dinner. Tell us about bringing Wishclaw into the into the build because now you're running four Wishclaw Talisman. I don't think it started off with four, correct? Or maybe no. it did. When the card was first printed, I looked at it and I was like, well, it's cool that it's an artifact for Mox Opal, but Infernal Tutor is just better because it's only mm-hmm. two mana up front. You, like it's, Wishclaw is very comparable to Grim Tutor because it's three mana. Infernal Tutor is only two mana to go get your Ad Nauseam that wins the game. And mm-hmm. Alex McKinley was the first person that was like, no, Brian, I think you should test Wishclaw. But he was playing it as like a ninth tutor, and at the time, we didn't have the slots for that. Well, and to be fair, I told you about Wishclaw when it was spoiled, and you ignored me. <laughs> Jerry, I ignore everything you say. <laughs> yeah, and imagine you Wishclaw so much sooner. <laughs> well, uh, the, it was like the night before Thanksgiving, I was like grinding leagues, and I lost, like I was scrubbing. I went like one, four, and two leagues in a row. It was like 3 a.m., and I was just like staring at the deck list. And like something clicked in my head, and I was like, I should cut Infernal Tutor altogether. Because, like, at that point, we were trying to add in Wishclaw next to Infernal Tutor. I was like, mm-hmm. what happens if I just cut Infernal Tutor altogether? I was like, that brings my artifact count up to 20. If I add in Defense Grid, that's 22 artifacts for Mox Opal. And then if we're playing Defense Grid, then the Echo of Ans card that was just printed can now come into the main deck. And Wishclaw gets Lion's Eye Diamond or Echo of Ans. And everything just started clicking all at once in my head. It was mm-hmm. like an aha moment. And I wrote this, like, madman rant in the TES chat. And then I woke up to, like, no responses, and I was like, I guess it was a bad idea. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, from there, like, the team started, like, working together. And because, like, my initial list didn't have uh, Veil of Summer in the main, it still had Thoughtseize. And the Mm -hmm. other guys helped me refine the list a little bit, but we eventually got to something that was much better. Uh, But we were still on Bayou. And then it took, like, a couple versions before we got to the current mana base where we're running Trop and Taiga because it gives you three mountains, two forests. Mm -hmm. Uh, for Pulverizing Taiga, or I'm sorry, Veil of Summer, all those good things. Yeah, so it's interesting because I've seen you, you so you've upped the Wishclaw Talisman to four, and then up Veil of Summer to four as well. Is that something that's fairly new as well? Uh, ever since the Wishclaws became four, Veil's been at four pretty much. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's because it works so well with your Echo of Aeons that you really just want a silence effect. Mm-hmm. Because if it's Thought Seize, you discard your points forcible, you draw them into seven cards, and now they force a will you again. Mm-hmm. So that's the reason to run an effect like Velop Summer. And it's also just good in, against discard decks, not that they exist anymore. But can I, can I also say it's also just brutal sometimes when your opponent just, uh, like, turn one or turn two uh, uh, Aeons you and it feels like you're getting Wheel of Fortune to, like, a forced mulligan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great. Uh, oftentimes I'll look at an opening hand where it's like, okay, I only have, like, uh, Mox Opal LED... Echo, but I'm essentially starting the game on Storm 3, mm-hmm. and I have a resource in play. Like, I'm fine with that. Like, I know you yeah. don't get to mulligan that, but, like, you tell me that I'm going to start a game at Storm 3, I'm in. Yep. 
I was just gonna say it's just it's just like sometimes you just get the free win where you just force the echo of aeons and uh, your opponent draws their seven and they get a no lander and they just like you pass the turn and then they're like okay draw my card for turn go to discard pass back. <laughs> I've had that happen a few times. So uh, one of the beautiful things about uh, Veil of Summer with Wishclaw Talisman is unlike a discard spell. I can put ad nauseum on the stack, wait for you to force it. I can then activate my Witchclaw Talisman as an instant, go get my Veil of Summer, counter your forcible draw card. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because Witchclaw Talisman is not used as a sorcery, it's used on your own turn. Right, right. Hmm. That's uh, pretty good. Pretty good. But more recently, the changes have been in the sideboard. We're now running four copies of Carpet of Flowers because... I did an episode on the Eternal Glory podcast where we talked about how <laughs> Rug Delver was the deck to beat. And if you're looking to do well in an event, you should be looking to beat the top dog. And mm-hmm. that weekend I was uh, like looking over my deck list, getting ready for a challenge. I'm like, I should take some of my own advice here. Like if I'm looking to do well in this challenge, I should just play four carpet and kick the crap out of Rug Delver. Mm-hmm. And in that event, I ran against Rug like three times. The four carpets were amazing. Uh, and the slots that we cut, we weren't really getting that much use out of anyway because Prison has been on the decline due to Oko and Brazen Borrower and everything else mm-hmm. that was printed. So we ended up cutting Crash and Echoing Truth, but they really haven't been missed. What what comes out for the four Carpet of Flowers against Rug? Uh, so you board out your four copies of Rite of Flame because you're essentially just upgrading your mana. Okay. But it, as the game goes on... That becomes Dark Ritual every turn. Or even a Rite of Flame every turn is still better than a single-use Rite of Flame. Yep. And it's kind of awkward because a lot of Rug players will force it on turn one, and you're like, okay, that's one less force that you have. Or you just force willed my Rite of Flame. Like, think about mm-hmm. that for a second. Mm-hmm. Or if you let it resolve, now all of your dazes and spell pierces are dead for the rest of the game. Like, it puts them right. in a real tough bind. But I think possibly the biggest reason why we've been jokingly calling my most recent list Rug Killa TES is mm-hmm. a new card that was printed Peer into the Abyss. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if you go back yeah. to like a classic TES that just has like Empty the Warrens and Ad Nauseum, you know, like when we were running Probe and Four Therapy, we were bad against the uh, the Rug decks or even all Delver decks because you would play a turn with Delver, you'd bolt, you'd probably attack again, and all of a sudden we're at 11 life. That 11 life doesn't race a Delver Secrets plus another bolt? Probably not. And am I now going to cast Ad Nauseum from 11 life? It's pretty hairy. So Delver actually was pretty scary. Didn't mean to make that rhyme, sorry. And uh, <laughs> I prefer so now, if you continue the podcast and rhyme only. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'll do my best. So Peer Into the Abyss, it changes that all together. It says like you lose half your life rounded up each time. But realistically, it's not a life total based resource because you're just losing X amount of life. Like I've cast Peer Into the Abyss at two life multiple times against Rug Delver. You only mm-hmm. need to lose one life to win the, the game because you're going yeah. to draw 26 cards and then play a defense grid and, you know, laugh at Stifle and kill your opponent. Right. So, That's interesting. Do you feel like the deck is uh, much more heavily reliant on green than it ever was? Like, it feels like the entire meta is shifting. It will has shifted towards green, and it, we feel very lodged in that direction. Yes, but only because previous lists in the past didn't play green at all. And it's weird because, like, a lot of people like to point their fingers at Veil of Summer and be like, it's a problem. But when you look at the metagame now, like, people don't play Veil of Summer anymore. It's like, mm-hmm. the Epic Storm yeah. does play four. But outside of that, you might see, like, two in the sideboard of a snow deck if they're playing it at all. Um, it's like it's become like the Gentleman's Agreement from the Mystical uh, Tutor era of Legacy, where yeah. people are like, yeah, <laughs> I guess I'll play two copies of the best card in the format. 
like we're back at that with Valus, and we're like people aren't playing it because everyone's agreed not to run discard. Right. It's and if, if like and that really kills me because people make this argument where it's like, oh, it's clearly not a problem because we're not seeing that many numbers of it. And it's like, well, yeah, because everyone's like 3D chessing themselves where <laughs> no one's running Veil of Summer because no one's running Discard, but no one's running Discard because everyone knows if they do, people will just run Veil of Summer. <laughs> sure, but that's how magic should work. It should be a cycle. Like, look at our good friend Thomas. But it's not... But it's not a cycle, though. It's like it's it's like it's frozen in place now where we're just kind of like at a stalemate. Well, we have Tom A. Hep in first place on the legacy <laughs> leaderboard. Um, so I'd argue that like that guy's running discard spells. He's doing pretty well. I think people just mm. need to get outside their comfort zones a little. Mm. Is that why you just keep playing Tess? I mean, I experiment with TES. <laughs> but also, like, I play other formats. I've been playing a lot of Pioneer recently and quite a bit of Vintage. I actually How's Pioneer the- been, by the way? Uh, I was really upset because I spent like $300 to make my deck Japanese foil because all the cards mm-hmm. are really cheap. And then they banned my deck. Oh, and no. Then, uh, <laughs> so, but then uh, I didn't realize this because like, I kind of got into Pioneer late. There was another version of the deck that existed before Breach, and mm-hmm. everyone's gone back to playing that version, but it doesn't use the graveyard at all. So I've started playing this version, and honestly, like, I win more with this list than I did the one that was supposedly more powerful just because I'm mm-hmm. not losing to Tormod scripts anymore. I don't know if it's better, but, like, I'm winning more than I was. Hmm. Didn't they ban, like, half of the format, though? Is it just that the power level has come down a bit? Maybe. That could be it. Uh, they left Winona alone, which I don't like. Honestly, that was, like, probably the second or third best deck in the format, and they just left it alone. Uh, imagine, Jerry, you would love that deck, because you get to play Show and Tell on turn three, and then put, like, eight huge creatures in a play on turn four. Uh, I'll, I can get behind that. I can it, get behind that. Is Muxus in Pioneer? Is like the Turbo Muxus deck not. a Pioneer deck? Okay. No, that's historic. And that's oh, okay. See, I get, the, I get those two confused a lot, so. I want to sell Jerry on Vintage for a second. Do so it, Jerry, okay. There's this uh, sorcery. It costs two and a blue, and it says I win the game. Yeah, show and tell. Tinker. <laughs> and then you put Bolas' <laughs> Citadel into play, and you just cast half your deck while your opponent sits there and watches you. Tinker requires you to have an artifact in play, and it also only lets you find another artifact. Like, I'm a man of many choices, Brian. I can't be held down by, C- by Can't such you just tinker for a Blightsteel, Jerry? Do you remember when you did that to me? Yeah, <laughs> I do. Blightsteel's worse than Blossom Citadel. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. I started tracking my data for Vintage this week. I made a special Vintage spreadsheet, and the deck is called Paradoxical Outcome. But I win over fifty percent of the time with Tinker into uh, into Blossom Citadel, and like I'm like, okay, well, what's my paradoxical outcome percentage? It's ten. <laughs> oh man! So it, ah, it it's it's a strange, strange world we're living in, guys. It's just like. It just feels like everything's so powerful that, like, even the cool stuff, you just, it's, like, even this, like, the stuff that was good is cool, but was cool, is just still not good enough anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that was part of the reason why the companion meta was fun, is that everything got smaller. There was less, Mm -hmm. like, stupid, huge, like, haymakers. So, like, there was no point in playing Tinker in the Luris era, because what are you going to go get a Soul Ring? And in Legacy, you couldn't be playing, you couldn't play Uro and Oko and all these other like insanely powerful cards. So like people went back to playing Spell Snare, Stifle, Nibble Mongoose. It felt like classic legacy again. But everyone's like, Oh, I hate companions. Eight cards. Oh and then they went away. So like I get it. Hey, like, yeah. 
by the end of the companion era, I was a little sick of it too, but like people never wanted to give it a chance to begin with. Yeah. How, how, so I've noticed that in the, a lot of the formats, it definitely seems to be like the squeaky wheel gets the grease, so to speak with, with, with respect to bannings. How, how closely is, does your gut tell you that, that Watsy listens to people belly aching about cards and like that, that effect that it has on, on banning cards? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, yeah. Obviously, but since he's dividing top, I hit a point where they had to do something. Mm-hmm. But there's a certain member of a podcast that I will not name that posts probably once a week asking for a legacy ban. And I think that that person should cool it down a little bit because the yeah. format isn't awful right now. I understand that Rugdolver has Wait, been... Are you talking about me? I don't think conference bannings once a week. <laughs> <laughs> is it not me? Is it not me? <laughs> it, it is not me. That is correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, so... But Rugdolver has been, like, really, really popular the last, like, four or five weeks. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, what would you even ban out of it? I made a post about how I don't think that Force of Negation is bannable, but it's part of the bigger shell of the issue that, like, the shell of Delver now is, has so many cards in it that are so powerful that, like, even if you ban one card, that card is just going to continue to be the best deck. Yeah. Uh, like, there's versions now that don't play Delver Secrets at all that are very good in winning. Uh, mm-hmm. but then there's like versions that don't play some of the other cards, uh, like Oko, for example, or whatever. So people are like, well, ban Oko. I don't think Oko is the reason Rugdolver is winning. I don't think that it's specifically Dreadhorde Darkness. If you want the neuter that deck, I don't know if there's a single card that does it anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Well, let's, I want to run down the challenge real quick because I want to just sort of talk about each deck list, at least, at least the top eight, uh, for what's, what's interesting here. Which challenge are we talking about? Uh, I would like to talk about the challenge that you placed fifth in, uh, Bryant. Okay, that would be the Sunday. Eight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I generally tend to just pick one of the challenges to go over. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we had uh, the Snow Control finishing in first. Um, and this looks like a pretty normal... I mean, as they're running three Abrupt Decays, which is interesting. Two Force Negation, four Force of Will, four Swords... Uh, two Sylvan in the main, but I mean they have like the the usual four Ice Fang, three Uro, um, a Jace, the Mind Sculptor, and three Oko and four Astrolabe. So what's interesting about this list, and I've specifically made note of this person in my spreadsheet, Rock mm-hmm. Nation. I know you. Uh, this jerk <laughs> plays multiple copies of Mindberry Trap in their board out of a blue deck. <laughs> that is wrong. Yes, they are running two copies of Mindberry Trap in the sideboard, at least in this challenge. <laughs> tell, tell you want to expand on that why you don't like mind break trap there well in general you're already playing six force of wills main you right. really need two mind break trap <laughs> on the board usually a right. lot of people would uh dedicate that slot to like deafening silence but like my mm-hmm. issue with that is like mind break trap is so narrow that you could only ever board it in against storm or right. maybe black red reanimator not that like no, you, you also board it in against uh show and tell because it's the only counter spell that can counter an emercool i guess that's true um, but for the most part, my memory trap is really narrow. And if that was something else, you could board it in for more matchups. Like you're not going to board in my memory trap against elves, for example, or something else. Like I, I just prefer that my cards be a little more diverse because what if you never face storm once in seven rounds mm-hmm. and now you're playing with a 13 card cyborg, like your cyborg slots should just be a little bit more flexible in my opinion. But maybe he knew he was going to run into Bryant at some point and wanted to have him. Just in case. didn't even run into me. Or they didn't even <laughs> run into me. I don't know their gender. Uh, yeah, so this is like the, the snow control death we've seen a lot of. Um, 
Yeah, outside the I guess outside the mind break trap that just really gets in your crawl. Was there anything else here that you thought was interesting? Two Teferi in the board is pretty um, different. I don't have any mm-hmm. strong opinions on that card, but I've been playing two in Vintage, and I'm pretty much the only one that is. And mm. I'm realizing how strong this card is, at least in Vintage. I don't know about Legacy, but Bouncing Ice Fang Quaddle seems pretty strong. Yeah, it does, indeed. Yeah, I like the Dead of Winters, too. That's a cool card for this deck. Um, Let's see. Second place... We are seeing uh, another oh, well, a copy of Rug Delver. There was multiple in the top eight. Well, can I just point out that uh, JPA, famous show and tell player, is playing Rug Delver. Yes, traitor. Yes, they. Oh, they are Jerry, in third. that's the third deck. You gotta, you gotta hold on for a second. Yeah, it's fine. Jerry, Jerry's a little, a little well, loose you today. Said, you said multiple copies of Rug Delver, second and third are both Rug Delver. I thought we were covering them all. So I faced Binu, the second place person. Uh, for my winning in round seven, and then I got paired against them again in top eight. So my mm-hmm. theme for this event is I mentioned how I jokingly called my deck Rug Killer TES. We're running two <laughs> defense cards main, four carpet in the board, and the plan up until this week has been to board in the two copies of Abrupt Decay for Null Rod. This week I decided to change that plan. I was no longer going to board in Abrupt Decay because mm. they have one Null Rod, so you need to draw your two of for their one of, and they all have to happen at the same time. Otherwise, you're stuck with this card you really don't want in your hand that isn't that easy to cast. Like a two-mana spell against Rug Delver when they're trying to attack your mana, not the easiest thing to do. So I was like, I'm going to leave in the Moxon that I would board out and just have a better deck and just pray that they don't draw their Null Rod. Mm -hmm. Well, this person mulliganed super aggressively in round seven for their Null Rod. They had it both post-board games on turn two. So going into top eight, I was like, I lost game one. Should I board my Abrupt Decay? I was a coward, and I decided to board it in because they mulliganed so hard for it the previous mm-hmm. round. And then I drew it, and if it was either Mox, I would have won game two. Either one. Oh, wow. Like, I just needed the free storm count, and instead I lost. So never change your game plans ever. Stick to your gut. <laughs> um, Regardless of new information. you do, and then you'll lose. <laughs> yeah, the only, uh, I mean, the second and third place deck, at least in the main board, that I see, the only difference is... Uh, uh, JPA opted to play an extra Tarmogoyf over the second preordained, but the lists are basically Xeroxes of one other, another. So, but the rug list right now, just for people who who might not be playing a lot of the, the Magic Online, is uh, three Oko. So we're seeing that card a lot. Obviously, um, four Delver, three Dreadhorde, two Hooting Mandrels, three Tarmogoyf, and then we have Chain Lightning, uh, four Ponder, and a Preordain, and then four Brainstorm, four Days, two Force Negation, four Force of Will. Four lightning bolt, one spell snare, one spell pierce. I am so surprised to see. Like, I remember when Force Negation first came out, people might want run one main, one in the side, or two in the side. But it's been very surprising for me to see four days, two Force Negation, four Force of Will, and then a spell pierce and spell snare in the main board of these uh, Delver decks. That is a lot of counter magic to get through. Well, back when it first premiered, I talked about it on the Eternal Glory podcast back when Wilson and Honorog were on it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I could see this card going into Delver. It allows you to protect your Delver for free on turn one. Gives mm-hmm. you six free counters, or up to eight technically. And I was dismissed. They were just like, no, the card disadvantage is too much. Well, when you pair it with Oko and Dreadhorde, you get that card advantage back. And that's where we're at right now in Legacy, where the cards are so powerful. And there's even some lists that run Uro in them as well. That you mm-hmm. end up getting this incremental card advantage back, so why not run six free counters? Like you're going to hit that Chalice right. of the Void on turn one, or that Ad Nauseum. Or do you think? Whatever. Do you think without Uro or without uh, Dreadhorde, rather, we'd see fewer Force of Negations? 
it 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 reminds me a lot of back in the day when people would run misdirection uh to get like a fifth or sixth counter spell it just feels like in this meta everyone's just slamming taymakers and tapping out that you just you need the extra force of wills to protect it because if you're if you can keep your haymaker in play you are more often or not uh winning the game yeah i definitely agree with that there's a really spicy card in JPA's list, and that's Run a Foul. Pat, do you know what Run a Foul is? <laughs> uh, off the top of my head, I absolutely do not. Hold on, I'm going to look at this. It's real a quick. one green instant. Target opponent sacrifices a creature with flying. Hmm. So this hmm. card's pretty spicy because it targets the opponent. It's not blue or black, so it gets around Veil of Summer. Yep. And it, they cannot sacrifice something like a Sylvan Safekeeper. Yep. And it gets around targeting the creature itself, so it's going to hit something like a, I don't know, maybe a Merit Lage? Yep. Or, or, or an Emrakul. Or a Grizzlebrands. Yep. <laughs> or a Delver. Yep. It's a pretty cool card. I definitely like it. I'm 21 showing yeah. up. Interesting. I like it. I like it, too. Is this something you'd run in uh, in TES? Run a fall? Yeah, you why can't Burning Wish for that. It's an instant, <laughs> Pat. <laughs> true, true, of course. But you could uh, Wish Claw Talisman for it, right? Hmm. I suppose. Yeah, I guess if you're doing that, instant. you're probably in a bad spot. <laughs> like, there's this chain of vapor card that exists. Of course, yeah, of course. Uh, before I, before we move on, I just want to bring something up because I want to get Brian's opinion to see what if you know his expectation or his reality is matching my observations. But I'm surprised that I'm not. We're not really seeing more of the, um, uh, what is it, Emery decks the emery artifact based decks because i feel like i'm running into those all over the place uh in leagues but i don't really see them uh in the tournaments and on the challenges that often what's been your experience with that deck so i leading up to the last legacy showcase event i was grinding a lot that's why i am i think uh pokemoki has passed me now on the leaderboard but i'm i was second for a very long time and now i'm third because i haven't been playing as much but i was grinding a lot and during this time period, the Mono Blue uh, Urza deck that plays Emery was the third most popular deck that I faced. It was Rugdalver, Goblins, Mono Blue Urza, Echo, Garbage, whatever you would like to call it. And mm-hmm. this deck, it was everywhere. I'd run into it nonstop because yep. it took down two showcase events in a row. So people thought like, hey, this deck must be really powerful, but it's not getting representation. And then all of a sudden in leagues, you couldn't go a league without running into it. But the deck doesn't put up results and challenges because I don't think it's good if people know how to play against it, if I'm being completely honest. It's really mm-hmm. interesting because that deck gets to run all three pillars of Legacy. You get Force of Will, you get Lion's Eye Diamond, and you get Chalice of the Void. Like, there's no other deck in Legacy that fits those criteria. It's insanely powerful, especially with our effects like uh, Karn, Narsa, and Echo of Aeons. So you get to run all these broken cards all in one deck. But the problem is, like, the synergy isn't super powerful within the deck. It's just, like, a bunch of really powerful cards that all do insane things. But it's really fragile if you're able to fight it back even slightly. Like, the Epic Storm gets crushed by the deck because I can't interact with it. But if you're a deck that runs Wasteland and Force of Will, the deck is pretty easy to beat. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I also wonder if it, it, I feel it's also on Magic Online, it's fairly cheap as well. Um, I need Cards are like check. 30 tickets. Oh, are they? All right, I take that back then. Forget I said that. All right, we'll have uh, uh, Justin edit that out. No, no, we keep our mistakes in this house. That's that's why Pat's still here. <laughs> wow. 
up. Wait, what? <laughs> Sorry, the uh, screeching pain in my neck has been uh, I've been able, unable to hold my head up. Oh, so while we're just... at it, whose idea was it to put me last last week? Was it yours or Justin's? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I said <laughs> yeah. in the episode I specifically am putting Bryant last because he requested to be first. <laughs> I said nothing but nice things about the two of you, and then you went and put me last. I, I set it up bad. so that I felt like mine was a good lead in, which is why I wanted it because like it would have set up everyone behind me, but it's not you know not the end of the world. I thought you were just going to dumpster us, so I'm like, we'll save him for the end. I should have. <laughs> also, you weren't technically last. Uh, Gavin was the secret track in the credits. I did listen. Excellent. Excellent. I listened to probably half of your episodes, if I'm being completely honest. I, I can't listen to them all. Um, I yeah, end up forgetting you, most of the time. You, lis- you listen to more of our episodes than I do. <laughs> so one thing I thought it was funny about that episode was uh, I listened to the Scrubs Rewatch podcast and the showrunner Bill Lawrence uh, does this like phone a friend sort of thing where they'll be like, Hey, I wonder what the idea was behind this. And they'll call him up, but it's always after the episode has finished recording that he gives his response. So mm-hmm. he never gets the reaction. And that's what I was thinking of d- during your episode because like <laughs> they aired the same week. So he had talked about his thing and I'm listening to yours. I'm like, this is literally the same exact thing I just listened to. <laughs> so I think if you guys ever do another greatest test episode again, maybe 500 and then Pat can finally retire. Uh, you should listen to all the responses and then record your own. Yeah, we're going to have to. What we'll do is we'll have to get the responses in a little early. We, we're down to the wire in a few of those recordings, so that's I why we didn't do I mine like the very next day after Gerald Meme asked me. <laughs> I know. You, you were so good to us, Brian, and I did you dirty. Such a gentleman. Like, meanwhile, like Wilson said to get over like the day we're releasing the episode. To <laughs> <laughs> badmouth Wilson for a second. That's how he was with podcast recording. He'd be like, hey, Wilson, have you looked at the show notes? <laughs> Absolutely not. Are you guys ready to record? <laughs> uh, so fourth place, we have this black, white uh, Eldrazi Stompy deck. Uh, this deck is, is actually pretty sweet. So they're running like the white Eldrazi Displacer that we've seen, like that was in like the splash white Eldrazi lists. We're also seeing a main deck Plague Engineer, um, three Eliminate, which is uh, one in a black. This is a card I'm not familiar with either. Destroy target creature or planeswalker with CMC cost three or less. So that's kind of cool for this deck. Again, because it's uh, you know two mana, it gets around the four chalices this deck is running. It's also running three Lotus Petals. And then uh, Caves of Coilos being a four of this deck is pretty cool. Um, I'm actually a little shocked. I feel like the deck is low on colored sources to be running something like Eliminate. So you do have your three Lotus Petal, and then there's two copies of Urborg, and then four mm-hmm. Caves of Coilos. But so that's what nine, you know, sources right. plus three of them are temporary. Like I right. played this person, I never once saw this splash. Like what I saw was just like the typical like Chalice one turn mm-hmm. one. Uh, thought not turn to whatever they never had like their wonky draw where they had all these awkward cards um, I, I mean they crushed me but i'm wondering what the eliminate is for like what is that just to get rid of okos i'd probably guess oko and then on top of that charmoglyph has made a big comeback in these rug lists because it beats sure. the mirror so like probably hits you know charmoglyph and it doesn't hit the hooting mandrels which has become pretty popular but mm-hmm. if you're in a fight between two four fours you're probably okay with trading Termagor right. doesn't actually trade with most of your deck. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so fifth place, uh, the esteemed Bryant Cook. That's uh, garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, running this uh, this rug killer TES, which we talked about. But um, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about your about your matches? How kind of how the the day went for you? Well, I faced Rugdolver in the first round, and then I would go on to face Rugdolver four more times. 
And other than that, I faced ninjas once and Eldrazi twice. So it was a pretty uh, diverse field. I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Makes you wonder, though, because you remember like a month ago when every Thursday we had a PTQ, or air yep. quotes PTQ, and how Legacy yep. became a lot more uh, defined. Like, you really saw the cream of the crop in terms of deck building and players rise. Mm-hmm. And the, the gentleman's agreement went out the window. Exactly. I think if we were ever preparing for a Grand Prix right now, that's what a field would look like. It'd be Aldrazi and Rugdalver. Because, mm-hmm. like, you get free wins with Eldrazi if you're someone that isn't necessarily familiar with the format. But it's a very powerful deck. And then you have Rugdalver, which is good against the field. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Like, there's a lot of, like, fun stuff that people play in Legacy. And Rugdalver kind of gets rid of all of the fun. There used to be a point in time where the blue decks would lose to Belcher or Oops All Spells or a Turn 1 Chalice. But when you're 60% to have a Forcible on Turn 1, the fun leaves. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're no longer favored doing your fun thing. Not that you probably were to begin with, but there was a chance that you could outluck your opponent. And a lot of the variance of the game has gone away, I think, with the current list of Rogue Delver. Is it, and is, is this a directly as a result of the extra force negations they get? Is that what you're talking about? I don't think it's it, it one thing. And I think that's what like my Twitter post was about. Like The entire shell of the Rugged Elver deck has become so strong that I don't think that there's a single card that being removed fixes it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, all right. So let's see. Phil Helmuth is in, in sixth place with uh, Red Green Classic Lands. Red Green 2. Yeah, this yeah. is like the, you know, uh, running the Elvish Reclaimer, so that's a, a, you know, from M20, so a newer edition. But other than that, this is like about as uh, old old man as old man gets uh, with running three Gamble, four Life from the Loam, four Crop Rotation, three Punishing Fire, four Mox Diamond, four Exploration, three Sylvan Library, and then just a bunch of lands. Um, they're, uh, they're running the Field of the Dead, too. That's mm-hmm. another M20 edition, mm-hmm. which I think is a good edition. I feel if we were seeing lands more often, we would be seeing more Field of the Deads because uh, that can definitely be a pain in the ass mm-hmm. if you play against mm-hmm. it. The cyborg Ali would approve of Ali as a lands expert. There's a lot of combo hate here. Three Mindbreak the, Trap, three Force yeah. of Vigor, three Sphere <laughs> Resistance, and three Blasts. Twelve mm-hmm. cards, and on top of that, you could board and choke if you wanted to. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, yeah, there's a, they, they know what they're looking to beat for sure. Um, seventh place, our friend Tony Scapone. And this, I know. Is, this is the like the Jess Guy Delver list. It's an interesting list. It, Tony Scapone. Yep. <laughs> Running four cogs of AK, but so uh two of the Teferi Time Lap Raveler, the the three mana Teferi. Uh it's got nine creatures. It's got a brazen borrower, four delvers, one dreadhorde, one snapcaster, two young peasies, four ponder, and then four accumulated knowledge, uh four brainstorm, a counterspell, like OG counterspell. Uh, three days, one force of negation, four force of will, two bolt, one magmatic sinkhole, two stifle, which the rug delver lists were not running any of, uh, and then three swords to plowshares. Uh, it's, it's all over the place with like the three ofs and mm-hmm, lots of one ofs mm-hmm. and two ofs. I'm just going to say it. Tony's a madman. Oh, indeed. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why we love him. Yeah, we, ha- we haven't had him on the castle in a while. We should have him back on yeah, soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a cool deck we can talk about for sure. Recently, I was talking to some people about Blue-Red Delver and how you get to run basic lands in your deck and how that's a huge reason to run Blue-Red in the mirror because Mm -hmm. you don't get your lands destroyed by Wasteland. Having basic lands is actually really huge. 
But the downside is that you end up running cards like Young Pyromancer that actually just don't line up well anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's like become pretty awkward. But here we see Tony Scaboni running two Pyromancers and one copy of Dreadhorde. Yep. Which is just which like is... absurd. Yeah, it's very interesting, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, the instant, like the, the, the AK package here is really interesting. I'm, I would love to see how this... Because we're not seeing as many like the blue-white control decks running that card as much now. So uh, that that is a card that like when we saw more con- like of the blue-white control running AKs around, I'd be like, oh, I can see playing that in blue-red Delver. But now when it's just like you're the only one playing it, <laughs> you're the only game in town on AK, it seems like it's lost, lost a little bit of its power, but I don't know. Hey, Phil Gallagher, remember when that new AK was printed and you said everyone would quit playing this one? <laughs> what up? <laughs> yeah what one was that it's like the one-sided ak right yeah i don't know i don't people are saying that it's called. a downside that it's symmetrical and i don't think it is i think that if you're lucky enough for your opponent to also be playing it you can outskill them and yes, that's yeah the person who cast the last ak is the winner in that game right like exactly. it's like the, per- the last person to cast brainstorm um all right and then eighth place we have uh deck only tom hep could love yes indeed uh we have uh turbo dubs here uh, let's see. Just black green it looks like, right? Yeah. This deck looks a little bit like a mixture between turbo and mid, if I had to guess. Like, there's two copies of Pithing Needle, mm-hmm. three Spirit Guide, but it has the main deck confidence. Like, I've listened to Tom talk a lot. We, yeah. We tend to do the Google Hangouts quite a bit together. Mm-hmm. And Tom really hates the mid-range version, so I get to hear mm-hmm. on why all the mid-range cards are terrible. Uh, <laughs> but, like, they're running four confident. I mean, it's like a hybrid between the actual turbo and the mid-range deck. Yeah. I think that's pretty interesting. Four confidant, four reclaimer, uh, three elvish spirit guide, and four hex mage. So it's like, yeah, it's exactly like you said. It's like that split between the mid-rangey version and then the turbo version. Um, still running there's seven. no piece- Sylvan scrying. Right. But they are running four once upon a time. Uh, and seven, seven, you know, hand disruption spells, uh, two abrupt decay, and four crop rotation. But it's, it is interesting to see only two p- pithing needles. That is very interesting. Uh, usually they're, like, maxed out on needles, or at least running three. Uh, especially, like, in a meta, like, if you're seeing so much Rug Delver, you'd expect to see a lot of Wastelands th- getting thrown around there. So it's interesting that they're only running two there. And no way to bring them back either. Like, usually some of the times these mid-range lists will play, like, Mox Diamond and Loam. Mm-hmm. If you're only going to run two Needle, you're actually kind of soft to Wasteland, so your plan might just be to beat down with four Reclaimers at some point. Mm-hmm. That's great Pithy Needle art. I love that art. The, the, like, the old-school tattoo style. It's fucking awesome. I actually should have those coming soon. Really? Yeah, because I got the summer drop bundle, and uh, that's part of the summer drop. I bundle. I literally don't even know how to buy half. Like they had like the slimes come out today, which look really cool, or the oozes, whatever. I don't know how to get any of these cards. Not that I would want them, but <sighs> I'm getting kind of tired of the summer drops. Can I can I gripe about those for a <laughs> yeah, second? Yeah, if you want, go ahead. Like Wizards was like, oh, you guys wanted like different art, so we're giving you what you want, and it just, like every single time, I'm just like. Not like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it because it's all like premium like products with limited print runs? Is that yeah, the reason? Yeah, just like premium bullshit. And it's like, they're all like, I want it in regular magic sets, just different art styles in regular <laughs> magic sets. And I don't need like a set of oozes with like this weird like garbage pale kids art. <laughs> uh, com- that art is actually good. If you don't like that uh, art, that's so just Can I interject taste. for a second, please? Yes, please. So. I am someone that Wizards of the Coast hates. I do not spend my money on Magic product at all. I like my cards to look uh, like very symmetrical. I want them to be, maybe symmetrical isn't the right word, but uniform. I want them all to look similar. I want similar frames. I don't like full arts. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like even the Florida Wishclaw Talismans I don't use. I use the regular Japanese foil set, whatever. I don't want weird art in my sets. But also, we're in a time of COVID. Like, Wizards is desperate to make money right now, so they're releasing all these, like, secondary products that they can, like, mark up and sell. So I think that's why we're seeing, like, the uh, the slime thing. But also, we just saw, like, that Thalia box being released, and there was another, there's been a couple of those sets so far where they're just, like, cash grabs. And even Double Masters, like, they're trying to stay afloat to last through COVID because they're not getting paper, people aren't buying packs like they were. Like, there's no reason to go play F&M. So they're just trying to stay in business long enough. Mm, I don't necessarily buy that because looking at Wizards like earning reports, they're not doing nearly as badly as other other gaming companies have. But that was I mean, they're definitely not doing they're not doing as well as like video game companies have been. But that was like a I, month I, after COVID, though. I remember you talking about that on your episode, and I thought it was pretty interesting. But like, we're what five months into COVID now? Or is there a new report? Uh, no, I mean there hasn't been a. a earnings report for the most recent ones but like i think it's the lgs's that are suffering more than actual like wizards of the coast because Wizards of the coast keep in mind is making a ton of money off of arena mm-hmm. like while yes they're not making as much off of pack sales they're making more off of arena and while the amount they're making off of arena does not equal the amount that they're losing off of pack sales it's not so much that they're struggling to stay afloat. It's that they're struggling to meet the benchmarks that they've set for themselves for profits. Like I'm not worried about wizards going under Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say. I think that like, you're not wrong, Jerry, but ultimately there's someone above the head of wizards at Hasbro. That's like, Hey, you didn't meet your goal. You don't meet your goal again. Perhaps we'll give you less funding. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, that could trickle down. Like, I don't know how, yeah. um, Like, Hasbro's relationship with Withers is, or even if like Disney even sees their numbers, who knows? But I think at some point somebody's like, "Hey, you need to hit better numbers." Yeah, I mean, coming from like, I mean, I was in a very different industry than than that, but like having a company that's bought your company and and controls your company, and a lot of the changes that are made end up uh, coming from from above, you know, the top people where you work uh, because they're like, like you know company objectives uh, from from your owners. And they just end up having to just feed you the shit sandwich all the way down, and it ends up being like not a great, like not a great environment. So I'm curious. I'm also curious, Bryant, how like how much of the uh, the direction of pushing these premium products is coming from Hasbro and Watsi is just like they're like, all right, well they've increased, you know, our you know our rev has to be increased by say six percent or whatever this year, and they're trying to figure out how to do it. And these premium products are the best way for them to do it. And they in their mind, I just but- remember they're called secret layers. Like, yes, yeah, there's right. a secret layer Fetchland, secret layer Thalia, and like uh, there's a bunch of them. But they all come out like every single month since COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, my takeaway is that they they had these ideas, like it was a good idea. They made money, and then like some uh, pencil pusher at Wizards is saying, "Okay, this was a good idea. Do fucking twenty of yeah, them. Yeah, We're Xerox, do them Xerox, monthly, Xerox, every, yeah, yeah, yeah." Yeah. Well, if now, you like, go that, back like a year ago, they said they were going to stop doing master sets for a while, and then mm-hmm. here we are with double masters. Like, clearly, <laughs> right. hey, double master sells money. We're going to put two of everything in your pack. Like, you want two foils? We'll put two foils in your bag. You want two rares? Yeah. We'll put two rares in your. Just keep on giving us your money during yes. COVID. Like, yes, I think that's. What I mean, coming down I, to. I will say that I think a lot of these decisions were made well before COVID was even a thing. Like, I think that these decisions are coming down the pipeline, eighteen, twenty-four months out. To be honest with you, I don't think. Uh, I think we're starting to see them now. Like now is about the time. You think that, that March that the decisions were made in March that we're seeing become effective now as far as product goes? 
I find that uh, hard to for as as like we're about we're rough we're getting close we're getting close to two quarters out mm-hmm. like two quarters is about as much time as you need to start seeing like decisions to start to take shape. Yeah. So like, unlike not, normal not magic sets, they don't need to play test this, right? Yeah. Not nearly as much. Like yeah, okay. there's a limited format to double masters. But ultimately, that's not going to mess up standard in four months, mm-hmm. so they don't have to worry about it as much. As long as, like, there's a coherent theme within your draft set, they're probably okay with it. Like, for playing Double Masters, the entire format's based around artifacts almost. Uh, but, or at least, like, one sub-theme is. But ultimately, it doesn't matter if that sub-theme is good enough to draft in six months, because all they're trying to do is get more cards into the market. Like, hmm. they were like, hey, you want to know what sells packs? Putting Forcible into this pack. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that box topper... Is now selling like it started at thirteen hundred and people are like, oh, it's too expensive. Well, now mm. they're up to two grand for Japanese right. foils of the box topper. It's crazy. Printing money, printing money. Um, yeah, I I think we are start that we're this is what we're expected to see from the the COVID economy. But like, if they keep going to the well, eventually it's going to run dry. Yeah, like how many? Well. Honestly, maybe I shouldn't say that because we've gotten, what, like the 30th printing of Scavenge News and people are still buying that. So yeah. who, what am, who am I to say? Remember the, when it first came out, you could only get it if you bought the special like uh, Xbox video game? Oh, really? So there's people like buying out that video game? That was the first. That was the first printing. You could either get it in the commander set, and then like a year later, after it was like a forty-five dollar card, you could get it as a mail-in for the Xbox video game. Are you sure? Oh. I thought the video game was first. Am I wrong on that? No, the the commander was definitely first because okay. it it was spoiled as a commander card. It was like one of the chase cards for that commander set. Interesting. Okay. Um, but no, the the Xbox video game did come out, and then I think like the PlayStation got like a much worse version. But um, yeah, like they they printed scavenging news to the ground, and people are still picking it up. So all right, go have at it. <laughs> it's just I feel like we're running out of like reprints that that actually matter or that reprints that people want without just like crushing the value of some of these like how many times do they need to reprint force of will before force of will stops being a hundred dollars when card? when do they start printing dual lands as these secret layers that yeah i mean that's that's the ultimate thing it's like when does if covid gets so bad what does wizards repeal the reserve list thousand percent they do thousand percent you know because you know what the i i have something i've learned from listening to dealers is that it's not the eternal formats that are pushing up those prices. It's commander and commander yeah, the for them is just, a, just spiked. Yeah. Commander is just a growing segment uh, of their business. And it would, it just doesn't make any sense to not print those dual lands at this point. It's just, they're just throwing money away. So when magic events actually happen, I am sponsored by a local game store from the vault games. And the only thing keeping game stores afloat right now from talking to the owner and knowing other store owners is commander like those mm-hmm. people still come in to buy packs and card singles all the time because realistically the only paper magic you can play right now is at your kitchen table with right. family or close friends or whatever yep. you're doing yep. uh so like commander is actually what i imagine they're the people still buying paper product right now mm-hmm. like yeah you, jerry might go into target for groceries or whatever and see a pack and grab one but that's not going to keep wizards happy unlike these commander players that are like yeah let me get two boxes of double masters or whatever right yeah well that's the thing is like so since covid's happened i've gone to two in-person events one of them was a commander night 
like the, like those that's my interaction with other people mm-hmm. and you know it was commander like yeah we we had our legacy decks and yeah we played legacy but we it wasn't legacy night yeah. it was commander night cuz that's that's why we decided to get together yeah i've been, I've been to one event it was alpha 40 it was fucking awesome Dude, <laughs> so a recommendation that i have and it's something we've done pre covid but we've been doing a lot more since covid is doing google hangouts while you play mm-hmm. like we've yep. been inviting more and more people to join us recently but yep they're like, wow, it is so refreshing to have, like, human interaction again while I'm playing. And Google Hangouts, yeah. like, all, like a lot of people get hurt about it. They're like, oh, it's an unfair advantage. I think I play worse when I'm on Hangouts than when I'm by myself. Hmm. Just because I have other people telling me that this line is better. And in my gut, I don't think that's true. And then that will cost you half the time. You're right. like, yeah, that line sucked. Why did I listen to you? <laughs> or there's eight people talking while you're trying to think through your line. And then you punt because you couldn't have a clear head. So, well. Also because I'm severely inebriated whenever I do Google Hangouts and uh mm-hmm. and play, so that also is the detriment of my playability. But yeah, I, I agree, like we do Discord hangouts and honestly it's it's some of the most fun I've had in, in quarantine is just hanging out online with friends and you know, playing playing magic together. Yeah, it's a lot of nice. fun. So I do recommend that to everyone listening get a couple buddies together and uh have a great time. Nice. I think it also just makes you better as players when you do it consistently, casually, because getting that feedback and like just like taking a time out, it's like, hey, what do you guys think about this? Like, this is what I'm thinking. Do you guys think the same thing? And you can just get different perspectives on situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, there's also like you might get a different, not even just like play by play stuff, but like different thought philosophy on approaching a matchup. I know for Vintage recently, I was talking with someone and we were talking about boarding against Doomsday and they wanted to take the controlling route. And I said, hey, you should maybe consider boarding out your preordains because the matchup isn't about card quality over time. It's about being fast and having more interaction up top. And they didn't think of that. So they there's like different heuristics you can get from approaching matchups and maybe just thinking a little bit differently mm-hmm. because you might approach show and tell one way, but JPA might approach it another. And this way I could get both, you know, thought process so you're doing google hangouts while you're playing like magic online is that the plan is that what you're doing yeah yes i do every friday night that's what i do every friday night me and a couple uh college buddies get together and we'll all just be in magic online leagues together nice that's cool we have a strict rule on our spatter else i would have invited you by now we do not invite blue red delver players it's understandable i mean we're we're yeah i I wouldn't invite me either to be honest so it's okay Uh, i don't i don't i don't play blue red delver (laughs) Well, we okay. don't trust you, Jerry. Okay. You, you come in high as balls just screaming about the card show and tell. Awesome. Oh, All right, man. well, let's uh let's let's wrap this up. We're getting just to about an hour here. Um is there any like any closing thoughts uh Brian, do you want to leave us with before we start uh closing it out? Uh I don't think so. I did think that it was kind of interesting that the ninth place uh, reanimator list was not running the Children of Coilos Tendrils package. They were running a more traditional black red. I just wanted to call that out because the highest placing list was not running the latest tech. Hmm. Wait, Children of Coilos Tendrils is the latest tech? That's yeah. like that's like ten year old tech though. Yeah, but it's everything for black red reanimator. Because you did don't have the turn anymore. Did you hear us when we were talking the other day that I feel like half the decks right now are like 2010 decks that have just been revamped with some new cards? <laughs> like that, that's that's what a lot of this feels like to me too. New cards make old cards better. That's, that's true. true. That's true. true. That's the cycle. The cycle of we're getting people with a lot of free time <laughs> with their hands too to start putting these decks together. So <laughs> yeah, that as well. That as well. Awesome. All right. Um. All right. Well, Jerry, let's get into scoops and poops before we get out of here. Scoop. 
scoops. Who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week, Jerry? I am going to scoop in Bryant, even though he doesn't need it because he got there on his own, because I was expecting him to just rip on us <laughs> in the 300 episode and just sell all these embarrassing stories. And instead, he was very sweet and loving. And I just wanted to scoop you in, Bryant, because you are a great friend that I've made through Magic that I wouldn't have made without Magic. And I am glad that I play Magic so that we became friends. Wow. That was so kind of you. By the way, uh, it's, uh, I was like skipping through the episode, and somebody said that there was like a story of us drunk walking, and we saw somebody's uncle with a parrot. I do not remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how yeah. drunk I was, but I do not remember that. You don't, we were we were coming back from. Do you remember the burritos? I do remember the burritos, and I remember being so, like pretty messed up. So we were coming back from getting burritos, and we were walking down this uh, bike path, and there was just this guy walking a parrot like a parrot on a dog leash like walking out in front of him and we're just like that's ridiculous and it turned out it was our my other friend dan holland it's his uncle and that's something he does is he walks his parrot that's amazing (laughs) you don't actually remember that i don't it wasn't that memorable Jeez! apparently you see uh parrots walking on dog leashes all the time syracuse is a wild place any poops jerry (laughs) Uh, I think I'm, oops, I'm gonna go, go ahead. with work because I worked all weekend and I didn't get to play Magic. Yeah, that sucks. How about Bryant? Uh, who do you want to scoop in the top eight this week? I will scoop in all of the donators to the Eternal Glory podcast. We actually were getting really, really low on funding, and the Legacy community really took care of us. And I know that I mentioned it in our latest episode, but we really do appreciate it. And then on top of that, the Storm community took care of me personally, along with the entire website team. We have our annual domain and fundraising thing, and the Storm community was just like, hey, we want to make sure you hit your goal and take care of all the writers, so I have to figure out a cool gift to get them for their annual holiday shenanigans. So really uh, appreciate that. That's awesome. You that's never awesome. replied to my message. I donated, and I sent in an inquiry if that makes me a partial owner now, and you, uh, you didn't respond. <laughs> I thought you already went over this. I don't respond to you. <laughs> and, he doesn't uh, respond to you unless unless show and tell is on the stack. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay, can I tell my favorite Jerry uh, story? Uh, yes, please. <laughs> so this did not happen to me, but I would have loved it if it did. So Star City Games Syracuse, I believe it was two ago, and AJ Kerrigan gets paired against Jerry. And AJ Kerrigan resolves ad nauseum, goes through the entire thing, goes, I don't know what they could possibly have in their hand, but AJ's like, I should cast the sideboard Thoughtseize. Cast the Thoughtseize, looks at Jerry's mindbreak trap that resolved... <laughs> His ad nauseum was like spell number six. And then AJ goes, why didn't you mind break my ad nauseum? And Jerry goes, I thought it would have been funnier to hit your tendrils. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. It would have been funnier. I love that story so much. Like when I'm down, I'll think about that. I remember once in a while, and it just makes me feel way better. Sometimes, sometimes it's just about the meme value. That's what it's about. It's all, it's all about the memes. It's all about the memes. <laughs> and uh, I guess my poops will go to Pat this time for Brian Cook returns again. All right, we're gonna we're gonna we'll have something better this week. I'll have Brian Cook returns again with a question mark. Again. <laughs> question mark. <laughs> we'll spice it up a little bit. 
Um, I love San Diego. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna scoop in Bryant and uh, Eternal Glory podcast uh, for putting out awesome content all the time. Uh, if you haven't listened to them, uh, I'm sure you I'm sure our listeners listen to them as well. But if you haven't checked them out, please do and support the show if you can. I know it's hard times for everyone out there, but um, you know content creators really go out of their way and they they put out a, a top rate product. So um, if you guys can support the show and help them keep keep you know putting out great stuff, please do that. It's awesome. Um, and, uh, yeah, th- thanks Brian for coming on. I got no poops this week other than like growing old. I don't know if, I don't know if we recorded what happened to my neck in the sh- pre-show, but I like, I like popped a disc in my neck while drying my hair this evening and my neck is like throbbing and throbbing pain right now. So I'm going to poop on getting old because it's the worst. And, uh, and I guess that's it. Uh, Brian, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they find you, man? At Brian A. Cook on Twitter or theepicstorm.com. There you go. And you can find Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can find me at Pat Uglo. The stream is twitch.tv slash livinglegacy. Find us on Facebook, uh, the Patreons, patreon.com slash livinglegacy. And uh, we're on hipstersofthecoast.com as well. And as always, shout out to uh, Justin Lutz, audio tech sound engineer. And uh, uh, honestly, like he's he's supposed to be coming over this weekend to give you like some of that like those like you know those suction cups that you put on the back like on your back the hot cups you know what I'm talking about they put like the, the flame in them he's gonna he's gonna do something he's gonna cut me later this week so I'm pretty excited for that so we're just done with phrasing right that's not a thing anymore he told me he was actually just gonna give you a Swedish massage uh, full nude. whatever I mean whatever it's whatever it's gonna take he's got a powerful beard I'm hoping that he's able to work out my neck and. Uh, Get me back, back and back in full, full, uh, full effect. So I think this our uh, this podcast is becoming R-rated. <laughs> it's, uh, how's our how's our OnlyFans going? By the way, Justin, <laughs> Justin runs OnlyFans. I don't know. He made me send him butthole pictures the other day, so I hope it's going well. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't gotten that money yet, but I'm sure it's gonna. I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, we'll get it eventually. We'll get it. So eventually. going off topic, uh, and I I understand we're trying to wrap up, but I watched the weirdest movie on Netflix while we were looking for something to watch. It was called The Overnight, and like one of the weird things is they get this couple gets invited to the, like this other couple's house. He's like, "Oh, let me show you my painting studio," and he's looking around. He's like, "Are these all buttholes?" And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I would like to paint your butthole," and he's like, "Uh." <laughs> Do not watch the overnight. Do not do it. <laughs> I think our new title for this episode is "Wait, are these all buttholes?" <laughs> I don't know if we'll clear that with the with the censors. <laughs> awesome! All right, thanks everyone for hanging out. We'll catch you all next week. Bye. <laughs> that was pretty good. Come on down to